Well, good morning and happy Easter. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28 and uh, mark a spot there. We're going to be in the first uh, couple of verses there, and we're going to jump to Luke chapter 24. And I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. But uh, I want to I talk about a couple of things. I want to put maybe some hearts at ease. Anybody ever go on a road trip and you're driving and all of a sudden you realize, I don't know where the last two hours went. Anybody been there? Like, like, like somehow you fall into a trance. Like, I don't, I don't want to call it like you're hypnotized, but maybe you are hypnotized by the road or something, but all of a sudden you realize, I, I, I don't know what just happened in the last two hours. Now, if you've ever driven across Kansas and Nebraska, all of you would know, heck yes, I've been in that situation. Right, <laughs> right. When I when I go back home to Wyoming and I get to driving across the state of Nebraska to get there, um, basically from Lincoln, really honestly, till my hometown of Cheyenne is like um, it's it's a blur because it's just flat blah. Like if you were to have a person come over, I, I always think it's funny when you see the uh, foreign exchange students come over and they're like, "Oh, I'm in Nebraska," and you're like, "I'm sorry." Like, of all the places you got to go, you got Nebraska or Kansas or whatever it is like that. But, but the reason why I bring that up is as we jump into today's scripture, I want you to think about uh, being aware of what goes on around you. Um, and that's, that's kind of where we're going to jump into uh, with this resurrection idea. Because after the resurrection of Jesus, he shows up to these, these men on this road, this road to Emmaus, uh, and he does that. But before we jump into that, I want to jump in and read Matthew chapter 28. If you want, you can stand with me as we read Matthew 28, 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screens. And listen to what he says. It says this in Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Okay? So they've gone to the tomb. It says there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord had came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, had rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And here's the funny thing. If you were ever to see this, if you could be the eyewitness of it, like in today's world with video cameras and stuff, we wonder how it would be posted. But it says this, the guards were so afraid of him, that angel, that they shook and became like dead men, passed out, cold. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You can have a seat. And we're going to jump in and read Luke uh, here in a moment. But the reason why I bring that up, do you ever kind of check out when you're driving? Maybe it's just for a moment. Maybe you're driving home from work and you, you're kind of just in a trance, you're, you're kind of just flowing with the road. Maybe you got music on, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't even know where the last hour went. Um, and I joked about that going across Nebraska, but I remember listening to music, but yet at the same time not listening. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like stuff is going on, but I have no recollection of what just happened. I just look at the clock all of a sudden and go, whoa, wait a second. 
two hours just passed, and I don't know that I paid attention to a thing. Now, there are those of you who I know are like this because I pass you every day on the road. <laughs> Clueless. You get in the left lane and you do 10 under the speed limit. And then when I try and pass you in the right lane, you speed up. Did I just lose, lose it? Nope. You know what I'm talking about. You're in the trance. You're driving. You're unaware of what's going on around you, right? And so I, I bring that up because as we're going to jump in, you're going to see how these men were unaware of what was going on. Now, part of that was God's supernatural working in their life. But I want you to know today that I want to put you at comfort. You may be a person who says, I just came because mom and dad drug me. Or I just came because, hey, Christmas and Easter is the time I go to church. And I get that. I get and understand what's going on. But here's the one question I want to ask you. If it was true, would you believe it? Because here, I've had these questions before. If it's true, and they're like, oh, yeah, I, I believe it's true, but I'm still not going to believe, then we're at a different really a different situation. If Jesus really rose again, and that is true, where do you stand on that? And why or where are you standing in that position? See, the truth is that many of us go through the motions in life. We all do it. We kind of function and we go through and we miss out on what's happening around us. Maybe it's with our kids. Maybe it's with our, our spouse. Maybe it's with family. Maybe we get so busy with work that we miss out on little things here and there. And then later on, all of a sudden, we wake up and we go, man, what, what just happened? You know, as we've joked around recently, 17, 14, and 11, we get these Facebook posts popping up that are the memories. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I look at it and I'm like, what the like we had a video pop up this week with Ethan and Brooklyn playing. Ethan was like four, Brooklyn's one. And Ethan um, is in a headband, Denver Nuggets headband, with a basketball. We had these little Nerf basketball hoops out in our hallway. And, and Brooklyn's got a Denver Nuggets headband on as well. And they're shooting baskets and the videos running around. They're playing and having fun. And I remember texting Sarah and I was like, what the heck? Where did time go? Because just like that, it was gone. And so I want to ask you, are you aware of what God's doing around you? See, because Jesus rose again, you can have hope again. Because Jesus came back from the grave, you can have life again. Because Jesus overcame death, you can experience all the life that he wants for you. But listen, don't miss out because you're unaware of what's going on around you. Like today, here's, here's what I find ironic about what's going on in, in our news and our social media and everything else. Bad news sells, right? Like, like that's the main focus of everything. Bad stuff gets more airtime, more playtime, violence, pain, suffering. It's always, always those things that seem to be the front forefront of what's going on. And the crazy thing is that Jesus came so that you could have good news and the good news has turned into bad news because the bad news is the forefront and everybody says that's bad because it's exclusive, that's bad because it, it, it sets a standard when the reality is that yes, Jesus' standard is there, but there is good news for it. Jesus' life is good news. Jesus' death is good news. The fact that we can experience life in Christ is good news. But I also want you to know this, that there was a lot of doubt and uncertainty if you could place yourself, matter of fact, on Friday night we talked about this, if you could place yourself in the shoes of the early disciples and followers of Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross and died, they didn't realize everything that Jesus was communicating. They didn't understand the big picture of what Jesus was saying. 
They didn't get it. So when Jesus died on the cross, there was doubt, there was discouragement, there was frustration, there was like no way. Even to the point when Jesus rose again and showed himself, it says that many of the disciples still doubted. Even after Thomas touched the scars, it says that still others doubted. So if you're a doubter, it's okay. You're in good company. You're in the same company the disciples were in. You are in that road or on that road. And so as we talk about this, I want to just kind of venture or picture ourselves traveling this road, this road to redemption. And I want you to know this. Here's the big picture, that Jesus' resurrection changes everything and gives us new life. That's what we celebrate. That's the hope of this. And I want to unpack, I want to give you five kind of things that we see in these two texts today that I hope you will understand. Number one is this, that today is a new day. That no matter where you're at, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how much pain, struggle, heartache, difficulty, no matter what you've done in the past, today is a new day. Every morning you wake up is a new day. Every morning you wake up is a gift from God. And every time we get to experience that, we can experience a new day. Listen, we're people that are all about new things, right? As a matter of fact, even to the point where it comes like this. We like new houses because it's a new start. We like new cars because it just signifies something, right? We like new relationships because new relationships mean new life. We don't have all the baggage and, and drama. We like new chances, we like new experiences. We like new memories. But isn't it funny and interesting yet how easy it is that we go back to the same old, same old? What we see in Matthew chapter 28 is this. It says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. In other words, it was a new day. Jesus had died. Jesus had been in the grave. And here's the new day. Here's the beginning of something new, and that signifies exactly what Jesus wants to do in each one of our lives, which is give us something new. See, what seemed like the end of the road, the end of a dream, the end of all hope is actually the beginning of something new. So it's a new day where Jesus makes a way between God and man through his death on the cross. So hear me out, and I want to say this very clearly. A lot of people look at it and go, I got to get my life straight before I can go to church. That is the wrong attitude. That is the wrong belief system. And if you grew up that way, or if you felt like the church was like that, that you got to get everything squared away before you can have a relationship, I'm here to tell you that those people in the church don't even get it. All of us are sinners. All of us struggle. All of us fight the same struggle against sin and temptation and things like that, but you don't have to get your life straight to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus so he can make your life straight. You come to Jesus so that he gives you a new life, a new birth, a new hope. So Easter, listen, is remembering the dark moment of Jesus' death. And likewise, just as we did with baptism, remembering the dark moments of our sin and our suffering and our pain and our heartache and the things that we did that went against God. But yet there's this new life that's offered because Christ rose again. And so I am, I am able to experience new life, new hope, a new peace. You know, the one thing I could say consistently throughout Scripture that we see is Jesus always says, listen, don't worry about where you were at in the past. Come to me and I will make all things new. You know that song, Christ Be Magnified? 
Right now you may say, there is no Christ to be magnified in me. But guess what? Christ wants to be magnified in you. But it starts with a relationship with him. It starts at a beginning point. Why? Because it's a new day. There's new hope. There's new salvation. Here's the other thing I want you to see that happens oftentimes. Number two is that God shakes things up. Listen to what it says in verse 2. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, if we were to sit back and understand that, here's, here's where English oftentimes just is a struggle. But when it says a violent earthquake, in other words, the whole earth trembles at what's going on at that point. Now, if you're the guard or you're even Mary Magdalene and some of those who are going to that tomb, just that in and of itself is going to create what? Fear. It's me like, what the heck is going on? Listen, God begins to shake things up in your life. And, 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 and I know some of you are at a point where God has been shaking you and shaking you and shaking you and shaking you, and you're still not getting the big picture. Right? Like God is doing things in your life. God shows things in your life, even in our struggles, even in our sins. God's like right there walking behind us going, hey, all you got to do is turn around. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm, I'm, get, I'm, I'm trying to shake you. I'm trying to wake you up. Here, here's what's going on. And yet here's the reality. Some of you are going to have to hit rock bottom before you wake up and see that God wants to shake things up in you. If you expect God to operate under the premise of what humanity expects of him, then he's not God. If you expect Jesus to come into your life and, and talk about being magnified in your life and, and be the first thing to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, which means to rule over your life, if you expect what baptism signifies, which is that the old body is dead, I die, I cease to exist, and I follow Christ in it. If I try and hold on to those things, then Christ isn't magnified. And so God wants to shake me up. So you may be a believer here for years. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've gone to church for a while, but Christ isn't being magnified. Maybe God's trying to shake you and say, wake up. You know, the one thing that always makes me nervous is as you read scripture is this. It says, as times get tougher, when the end times begin to draw near, that more and more people are going to walk away from the truth. And I'm not talking about people who haven't acknowledged Christ before. I'm talking about people who said they've acknowledged Christ and yet walk away from the truth. And listen, it's gone on in every generation. When people always ask me my stance, what do you think about the end times? I'm like, well, they're going to come. <laughs> the Bible says it. I'm not going to be the guy who's going to stand up here and go, well, at such and such time and date, because that would be contrary to Scripture. But I can tell you they're going to come. And the Bible says, listen, as times get worse, as times get tougher, that people are going to walk away from the truth. People who claim to be fathers are going to walk away. But listen, God wants to shake things up. See, Jesus, Jesus shows his power over life and death, over sin and forgiveness. And we look at this and we go, oh, a violent earthquake because the angel of the Lord come about. But here's the reality. Jesus had the power over all those things. In Colossians chapter 1, it says he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, that all things exist by him and through him, and nothing happens without his authority. So think about this. Jesus has already rose from the grave, and who causes the earthquake? Yeah. 
Listen, here's what I'm here to say today. That God sometimes is trying to shake us to wake us up. God shakes things up in our lives so that we turn to him and rely upon him and follow him so that, listen, so that he gets the magnification, so that he is at the forefront of our life. That when you go through a trial and a struggle, maybe it's, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a disease, maybe it's a, a broken home or a broken marriage or broken family. When you go through that, that you don't turn to everything else, but you turn around and you turn to him. Why? Because he's shaking you up. He's trying to get your attention. And God does that consistently. He does it through the resurrection. He tried to get the world's attention through the resurrection. And here's what's funny. I have talked over and over and over again with friends. You cannot deny that Jesus lived. You can't. Unless you just want to be a moron. I'll just put it that way. Because there are non-Christian historical people that are looked at and backed by non-Christian, non-believing history professors and everything else who say, no doubt Jesus lived. No doubt Jesus died on the cross. They do question the resurrection because they question eyewitness testimony. But the problem is, if we had 572 eyewitnesses show up and say, I saw this person do it, what's going to happen in court? Unless it's America, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. 572 people show up as eyewitnesses and profess something that is something to look at and go, this has obviously got to be true. Especially considering that all, every one of the disciples, the earlier followers of Jesus, were put to death for belief in that. If it was make-believe, why would you do it? I'm not going to put my life on the line because it's make-believe. At some point in time when they say, hey, we're going to crucify you, we're going to boil you in a vat of oil. I'm going to be like, all right, I call, I'm, I'm out. I tap out. It was fake. It's over. The reality is the disciples were willing to go to their death because they knew that God had shaken them to the core. They knew that God wanted to do something great and greater. And listen, you cannot, you cannot cover up truth for the sake of your life just because somebody says it's going to cost you that. See, he is trying to wake you up. He's trying to wake us up. He's trying to wake the world up. He's trying to wake the United States of America up. He's trying to wake countries around the world up so they can see the goodness of Jesus. And then number three, listen to what he says. He says, do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus is near. If you look at verse 5 in chapter 28, and you look at verse 8, and then you look at verse 10, we see the word afraid three times. First from the angel, says, do not be afraid. But then it says in verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb afraid, yet filled with joy. You ever been in that situation? Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just got to tell somebody. Like, that was parenthood when we weren't parents yet, and we found out we're expecting our first one. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be a parent. <laughs> and everybody who's a parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> because when the hospital nurses come in on that second day and they go, all right, he's yours to take home. You look at your wife and you go, uh-oh. <laughs> we can't hand him off for a little bit and get a break. Listen, do not be afraid, he says, and yet they were filled with joy. And then in verse 10, then Jesus said to them, 
do not be afraid. So listen, the angel says it first. Then it says that the ladies are still afraid, right? But yet filled with joy. And then Jesus says, hey, go and tell the others and do not be afraid. I'm convinced of this. The reason many do not want to follow Jesus is you're afraid. You know what you're afraid of? You're afraid of what he may call you to do. You're afraid that when he calls you to something, he's asking you to give something else up. You know what that's called? That's called sin. All of us struggle with it, right? We all deal with it. We all like to hold on to our own things. But when I desire something that I know is wrong, rather than going to the truth, then what I'm saying is I'd rather settle for this. And fear is the very thing that will stop you in your tracks. It'll stop you from doing everything. A little bit of fear does it. All you got to do is go back to COVID. You say what you want to, the world was afraid. Politicians, afraid. Government officials, afraid. Health officials, afraid. People, afraid. People, still afraid. Just walk around and look what's going on. All you got to do is turn on TV. It's still telling you to get the boosters and everything else, right? It's afraid. And I'm not telling you not to get that. That's up to you. But what I'm telling you is we make decisions based upon fear. Fear is a prison that keeps you from becoming what God intends you to be. And Christian and a believer, please hear me out when I say this. Just because you're in Christ doesn't mean you don't deal with fear. But my question is, do you allow Jesus to help you overcome the fear so that you walk by faith? Or do you let the fear freeze you where you're at? And an easy way to always define that is to say this. When God says, hey, I want you to go and talk to somebody about the gospel, and you go, mm-mm. That's fear. You have kept yourself in a prison of fear. You have built the walls yourself. And that's called sin. See what happens? Sin just continues to lead us to build and add more walls into our own cell. And then we go, God, well, where are you? You and I build the cells ourselves. But listen, here's the beauty of it. He says, do not be afraid. And here's why. Because Jesus is near. If you want to flip over to Luke chapter 23, I'm going to read this as we kind of go along and explain it. And we're going to wrap up with this. Now, starting in verse 13, it says, now the same day. Remember, it's a new day. It says, now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. In other words, the good news or the bad news for them at this point, because they didn't know what the heck was going on. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Can I tell you something? That in the midst of what's going on in your life, Jesus is walking right beside you or behind you. Here's the issue. He's walking along and you continue to walk in sin. And Jesus says, as long as you're there and you turn around to me, I'm always there to meet you. But as long as you want to continue walking that same direction, you're never going to turn and follow me. You're never going to turn to me for the hope that I provide, for the healing I provide, for the life that I provide. And so he's walking along and Jesus is near and yet they don't see him. They don't recognize him. And so Jesus asks, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood there, their faces downcast. 
And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are, like, are you an idiot? He says, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened here in these days? Listen, when Jesus was led into trial, all Jerusalem was in chaos. If you could take the times where we've had riots and different things in cities and kind of put in that, that's in, to a certain extent what's going on. They weren't destroying things, but there were large gatherings and they're standing outside the room and, and they're standing outside and they're, they're dealing with Herod and Pilate and they're like, crucify him, crucify him. These were big things. If news was to come out and report it, it would be the headline news for the night. These crowds were gathering, calling for somebody to be crucified. And to let the murderer go free. And so keep this picture in mind of what's going on. So they look at Jesus when he asks this question. And they're like, who are you? Have you had your head under a rock? Like I tell everybody, I don't watch news anymore. So when somebody came up to me last week and said something was going on, I was like, uh, I had no clue. And I'll be honest with you, I don't regret it. Why? Because I'm just sick and tired of all the bad stuff that goes on that the news wants to beef up and build up. And I honestly, I don't get my news from social media either. And you shouldn't. You should be smart about what you approach and listen. But anyway, sorry, sidetrack. Side <laughs> it says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus goes, what things? Right? Like, this is Jesus' way. Jesus always asks these questions. What things? Oh, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all our people. Notice what happens. These are earlier followers of Jesus. What did they say? They don't say he's the son of God. What did they say? He's a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So there's still some doubt here of what's going on. It says the chief priests, our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. And listen, here's the words. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Here's the big picture that he's saying. Here's the, the overarching principle that I want you to get. You have to put your hope in Christ. Their hope was in what we would call a political or military deliverance that Israel would no longer be slaves to the Romans, that Israel wouldn't be caving or catering to what was going on in, in the Roman people ruling and dictating over him. And so he, they're sitting there. They just acknowledge him as a prophet. They just said that we had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. So they're at a loss of words. And in verse 22, it says, in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who, was, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And listen to what Jesus says. How foolish you are. And now slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? In other words, why are you still doubting? Why haven't you put your hope in the Messiah? Why haven't you put your hope in Christ? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures Concerning, concerning himself. And it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. And here's the beauty of this picture. 
When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I want to give you the last two things. Number one is this, that you and I need to put our hope in Christ, regardless of the circumstances and situations, where the world's at or anything else, that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Because Jesus is the only hope we have. See, most of us look for God when we want things to go well, but listen, he has bigger plans for you. He has bigger stories for you. He has bigger missions for you than just barely getting by or walking through life and going, I don't know what this means. Don't put your hope in things you want God to do for you, but put your hope in what God has already done for you. That's exactly how he unpacks it. And then here's the last thing that I want you to see based on this is number five, that Jesus desires to have a relationship with you. I want you to know how this kind of began. The night before Good Friday or the night before Jesus went to trial and then was going to be crucified, that Jesus had the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, it says he broke the bread. At that point, Judas was identified as the one who was going to betray him. The the disciples still weren't getting the big picture that Jesus was going to be crucified because as they left, if you remember, as they left and after the garden, you know, there was kind of a little bit of an outrage, right? To the point where Peter took out a sword and chopped some dude's ear off. Now that's a sign that Peter still didn't get it. But when I say this idea that Jesus wants a relationship with you, it's the idea of the breaking of the bread because he broke the bread the night before he was crucified. Then as they're breaking the bread here, and he he said this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. You're, You're remembering the crucifixion of Jesus when we, when we take the Lord's Supper. And here's what's crazy. The followers of Jesus didn't recognize him until he broke the bread, which is what he did the night before. But I want you to know it this way. It shows the power of breaking bread with others. You don't just have any Joe Schmo that you don't know come in, sit down at your table and have a meal with you. That's reserved for people you want to have a relationship with, right? Most people don't walk out on the street and go, hey, come to my house, I'm going to feed you a meal. You don't know the guy. There's something about intimacy in a meal. There is something about a relationship where you, when you're having them sit down, that there is an intimate trust that's going on. There's a, there's a, a vulnerability to say, I want to get to know you more. I want to know what's going on. And what Jesus begins to do with this big picture idea is this, that he says, I want to know you. And as soon as he makes it known to them, as soon as he shows them through the breaking of the bread, all of a sudden their eyes are open. They're like, oh, wait a second. And he's gone. Jesus desires a relationship with you. And the reality is all you have to do is turn around because he's been in your midst the whole time. 
Just as he was walking on the road to Emmaus with those two individuals, he's walking right behind you, and all you have to do is turn around. All you and I have to do is turn around and face him. If I'm a believer and I've been following Christ for years, but yet I've tried to do things on my own, I went through the motions and things like that, but I'm trying to do things on my own, turn around. Follow Jesus day in and day out. Maybe you're a person who's never put your faith and trust in Christ and you would sit back and you would say, man, this still, I don't know, it struggles. I want you to know this right now. You can walk out these doors today with doubt and discouragement and fear and you may have to hit your rock bottom. I don't know what that looks like, but I want you to know this, that the minute you turn around, Jesus will always be right there. You may say, Brian, you're feeding me full of a bunch of hogwash. I don't believe it. Let me ask you. I'm going right back to the question I asked at the beginning. If it was true, if you could verify every one of those facts 100%, would you still believe or would you walk away because you're afraid of what Jesus might do to your life? Listen, Jesus came in to rule. Jesus came in to reign. Jesus came in to give you a new life. Jesus came to bring death to life to bring hopelessness to hope, to bring faithlessness to walk by faith. The simple fact remains, how do you respond? How do you and I respond day in and day out? And listen, it's never a call that's going to be easy. The Bible says that we are to crucify ourselves, right? Right? to crucify ourselves, to take up our cross daily and follow him. And so that's just the simple question. Have you done that? Have you placed your faith and trust in Christ? He wants you to experience the abundant life he offers and not the one we expected or hoped for. Listen, everybody has dreams, everybody has hopes, and that's exactly where the disciples were at. They had these dreams and visions of what it would look like when Jesus had delivered them from the Roman rule and oppression. And Jesus says, that's not the oppression I came to deliver you from. I came to deliver you from the cages and the chains and the prisons you built for yourself because of your sin. We're going to close with this song, and I'm just going to be up here. And whether you're a believer, a doubter, maybe you're a person who grew up in the church, but you continue to doubt and struggle and worry, you're overwhelmed by what's going on in life, maybe you have friends who have encouraged you to go another way, maybe you look and you go, man, Christianity just seems so exclusive, so set out. And I want you to know this, it is exclusive in the fact that Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and life. But it is inclusive because Jesus said, I did it for everyone. The question is, are you going to exclude yourself? Because that's usually the manner in which it comes. Jesus, we honor you today. God, I know and I think about times where I have gone through life in a trance, in a state where I don't realize what the heck has gone on. I don't pay attention to everything around me. And God, I know that I have missed the big boat or I've missed the picture at times because you're at work around me. And I am so busy in my own world, in my own thoughts, in my own desires, in my own wishes to see these things accomplished that I missed what you're doing in and around me.
God, I know it's easy to hold on to our sin. It's easier to hold on to our sin than it is to turn because fear kicks in. Doubt and discouragement reign. And sometimes we just don't see the big picture. But God, we know you have so much more. You promise so much more in your word. And so Lord, I I just pray today that maybe somebody came in with a heavy heart. Maybe somebody feels like they were dragged in or encouraged to come by by a, a loved one or a family member. God, would you just ease their burden? And would your spirit just show them I want you to know this today, that God loves you. God desires to have a relationship with you just as we looked at at that point, but it starts with Christ. It starts on a firm foundation or Christ as the cornerstone. And from there, I can build all everything else through him. So maybe today, if you say, hey, I've never placed my faith and trust in Christ, I want to do that. I want to give you just a couple of ways to respond. Number one, you can raise your hand just real quick and just let me pray for you. Maybe you're a person who'd say, I don't, I don't want to raise my hand, but I can grab the card in front right now and you can just put your name and maybe a phone number we can text you and get a hold of you just to talk with you. No pressure. Like I'm not a pastor who's going to stand up here and try and manipulate you into making a decision. That's not my job. But if the Holy Spirit's working on your heart right now, if God is knocking at the door, if God is walking along behind you and there is something in your heart, something that just that 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 moved you to to action, we're asking you to act right now. To follow Jesus right now, because it's not going to get any easier. It's just going to get more difficult. So grab that card. You can come up here. I'd love to pray with you. You can just lift up your hand. Father, I pray today. For those who maybe you've made a first-time decision, that they would go public, that they would let others know. Maybe it's the person sitting next to them, maybe the person they came with, that they would say, hey, I, I, I believe this, and I know I don't have everything squared away, but I don't need to get everything squared away because Jesus is going to square me away. He's going to straighten me out. He's going to wash me as white as snow for my sins. As far as the east is from the west, he forgives that. But you need to let somebody know to walk forward by faith. And maybe today you'd be even as bold to say this. Baptism is a sign that you've gone public. And here's the way we're going to kind of close out. We're going to have some songs. If you want to be baptized, I'm going to go back. I'm going to to be up here. But if somebody wants to be baptized today, you're acknowledging that you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. You're making it public. If you want to do that today, just meet me right down here as we start to sing this song. We're going to go back. I got a t-shirt, got a couple pairs of shorts set up for you. We got some towels. We got some changing stations for you to get changed in. But today is the day you make that decision to follow him. Come down here and see me.